0: Dave, how are you? I'm good. Feeling the love. Is this about? Val- this probably airing around Valentine's it Day. It's
1: airing around Valentine's Day.
0: Uh, love, love, love. It actually is Valentine's Day. Oh my god! Day it's today. Valentine's Day. We're discovering this as we speak. I fantastic. Th- I guess we'd better get our 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 chocolates and our our teddy bears and our mm-hmm. restaurant reservations in order. You got to get that shit sorted out early. I made that mistake
1: literally every year. Uh, this year we got on the stick a couple of weeks in advance. Excellent. Yeah,
0: you have to. Otherwise, you're having uh, dinner at four thirty. But if you don't, you can watch a movie on Freeform called "The Thing About Harry." That's correct. That was written and directed by this week's guest. We'll come back to him. Mm-hmm. Dave, what's going on with you? I couple things in the world of television.
1: Mm-hmm. I can announce. I think I can announce. Uh, I am coming back. To Reno 911. Ooh. Reno 911 has been rebooted for Quibi.
0: Yes. my first
1: Quibi show. Just about to shoot that. I'm very excited. And can now, you that say what you- All I can say. Oh, damn It's, it. uh, it's going to be very, very, very funny. And I'm remind so us
0: what you did in the first Well,
1: generation. in the original run, I was a guy named Leslie Frost, who was the new husband of Dangle, played by Tom Lennon's uh-huh. ex-wife. Got it. Played by Rachel Harris. So they divorced, she married me, then he and I started seeing each other. She divorced me and started going out with Scott Thompson. Right. So she's just this woman who just marries just king. only exclusively gay
0: men. Sure. Actually, it makes a lot of sense for Rachel Harris. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Uh She unfortunately died toward the end of the show's run. Uh, it, there was a big murder mystery. Oh, shit. Um, it was amazing. Ultimately, it was her uh, stomach staples came undone in the middle of a dinner, and she bled out internally. Oh, my God. That's um, how I hope to go. I can't
0: say who I'm playing in this new one, but it's, it's really, really, really going to be fun. I'm so I'm excited. I'm so excited. So
1: excited! So when um, this
0: airs, you will have just shot it, probably. I'll we'll have just shot it, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, but the thing that I am watching
1: right now, and it's the only thing I want to talk about, is uh, – I think I've probably talked about Buzzer in the past, right? Oh, yes. it's a Yeah. it's You can find it on Pluto.TV where you can also watch bajillion dollar properties. That's right. Um, Buzzer is a uh, – it's a uh, channel that is only old game shows. And I think right. on you can get it in some cities just on regular like UHF. It's like mm-hmm. Channel 24 or whatever. Um, they have just added – a show to the, to, on the West Coast, 7 and 10 p.m. Uh, every night. And it is, it lasted one season. It's the Match Game Hollywood Squares hour. Ooh. It's a mashup of the Match Game Hollywood Squares. It's an hour long. It's Gene Rayburn doing the Match Game part. Uh-huh. It's John Bauman, who you may know as Bowser from Sha Na Na, hosting the oh, Hollywood wow. Squares chunk. And then it's back to Match Game at the end. And it was 1983, 84. It lasted one season. It is terrible. All of the panelists... <laughs> Uh, don't like each other. <laughs> it really seems like the two hosts can't stand each other. You can, I like to watch it. And because you, the match game in the seventies, legendarily boozy, right. Yeah. For the match game, Hollywood squares hour. I like to play alcohol or cocaine. With, with the panel, because sure, sure, it's sure. clear that half are like, they have a veneer of sweat on them. They're like, they're, they won't stop talking. They won't listen to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's not fun at all. It is unbelievably fascinating. Yeah. Um, they, and, and they always cycle in like a new gay guy. Uh This guy named Leonard something who was on a show called Mr. Smith at the time, who's like sort of obviously like an older gay guy. Sure, sure, sure. He's just sort of bitchy and doesn't Mm -hmm. want to play along. Jim J. Bullock shows up, like his jaw up over his head. He's on so much white drugs. He's not super fun. Um, They eventually just have to get Charles Nelson Riley back. Obviously. It is true. And you see the leading lights of 1983, 84 television. Who we got? You'll see a, you know, a Barbie Benton. You'll see a, uh, Lydia Cornell from, uh, too close for comfort. God. Um, Gloria Loring. Uh huh.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: some, some guys from days of our lives who are handsome and, and, and pouring with sweat. Okay. It is the best show on television. It is true. There's so much drama in Every frame oh, of it. What a deep cut! It's I'm I'm obsessed. If you're watching the Match Game Hollywood Squares hour on buzzer, I need to hear from you.
0: All right, I'm. That's all I want to talk it about. Out. Yeah, get your, get your Pluto, get your Pluto sorted out. Get your Pluto sorted out. And uh, what you should also watch, obviously, is uh, as we mentioned, the thing about Harry. The thing about Harry. It's on the fifteenth. It's the night uh that's 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 how the gays get shafted by uh, freeform they're, they're on the night after <laughs> you can have tomorrow. Valentine's Day with just the just kidding movie. we love them and we love <laughs> of course that they let us talk to Peter Page yes um no, he was no, a legend he is he is truly a legend uh he Created the Fosters and uh, Good Trouble, and he of course played Emmett on Queer as Folk and has done a bunch of other work that we'll talk about. And a um, legit trailblazer. Truly. And uh, and was on our sort of guest bucket list since day one. Yeah. And we finally got him, and he is a dream come true. You're gonna love Peter Page. we're back with Peter
1: Page. Hi.
0: Hi guys. How's it going? Oh, so good. We are so excited you're here. Shut up. Peter, it's I have to truth. tell you, I'm excited I'm here. I have to remind you, we met, I want to say 17 years ago. Oh my God. Once. Nothing, nothing should have happened
2: 17 years ago, except perhaps me coming out of my mother's vagina. <laughs> That's insane. Um,
0: we, it's not a big deal. You don't remember. We <laughs> fucked. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> um, By the way, it's possible. I I don't mean to be like a total like but but it could have happened. No, I just didn't want you to be scared that this was going that direction. So you were dating a friend of mine. I had just moved here. I just I just finished college uh, a semester early, and you know I was like, was that 21. is that like a humble brag
2: that just we dropped in the middle of that story? I finished college a semester early. Yeah, I mean, no it's deal, nothing, guys. but
0: like whatever. I did
2: a <laughs> yeah. summer
0: uh, program, and I, I got a BFA. It's not a real degree, but it's fine. <laughs> oh, I have that. I have um, that same, not real degree, of course. So. I But the point of it is that I was here, hadn't graduated yet, and my graduation was coming up. But, you know, I was 22. I was like a an assistant. I had no money. I wasn't going to go to my own graduation. I had this friend who was sort of the older gay big brother friend. He is dating Peter Page. And this is at the time, I think, like the peak of queerest Folk. Crazy. And Who was your friend? So uh, we'll, we'll name him. Well, you'll probably remember after <laughs> this, but... So my boyfriend at the time and I uh, go over to his house and we essentially have like a double date at his house. And he presents me with a plane ticket to go to my college graduation, which was so sweet. I was only able to go because of him. But honestly, he did it to impress you. (laughs) Does this ring a bell?
2: It's okay if it doesn't. It doesn't. If I'm being honest, I'm 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 embarrassed. There's it, it rings vague vague bells. The the sort of I couldn't go to my college graduation. That piece uh-huh. I remember. I don't remember the the appearance of the plane ticket. Believe it or not,
0: and you don't remember the person that you were dating. No. <laughs> okay. I don't. We'll, we'll I cover don't. that off. Right. It's okay. <laughs> um,
2: it, it could be any of a myriad of of people. Yeah. So
0: anyway, um, great to see you again. Thank you. It's great to be seen. So. We want to talk all about the movie and shows and everything, but um, what are you watching at the moment other what than I'm, the stuff that you're
2: making? Uh, what am I watching at the moment? I just finished watching, um,
0: I think the most important
2: thing I've watched in the last probably 10 years is Watchmen. Yes. I just thought it was so such a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant combination of of issue and entertainment. And that is my, like, power alley. That's what I believe all my work is about. That's what I'm really here to do. And I just thought it was so extraordinarily well executed on every level. I just, just, just was blown away by it.
0: Are you a comic book person? No. no.
2: And I'm, I've never loved a superhero show ever in my life mm-hmm. until that one. It just—I thought it was— just perfect and jean smart kicking ass will always make anything better and if you know i i've worked with jean just the teeniest tidy bit humble brag and um uh and she is the like goofy she's so much closer to charlene than she is to like any of those insane you know any of those insane like kick-ass lady bosses that she plays but but she just can do anything Allison Janney is the same way She's like a total goofball, but then, you know, and then, but then you just, you give her a script and, and she drops in and you're like, oh my God, I'm terrified of you. She's so, so good. Both of them.
1: So what got you on board with Watchmen?
2: Uh, I think that <clears throat> I don't know, the first couple episodes I was like, I like this. It's really it's really well made and it's of course really interesting to look at. And that sort of that version of a world, you know, that's sort of our world but isn't quite, mm-hmm. um, I thought was so fascinating. And I think that got me going. And then really it was Gene's appearance that where I thought like the whole show just kicked into the next gear, and I was like, Oh yeah, I wanna know who these people yeah. are and what's going on with them and and how uh how they're going to
0: collide. Right. It's I also love watching things where I'm like I could this could never have come out of my brain. Not not on any planet could I have conceived this.
2: Yeah, you know? I just I loved love love what uh, Damon did with it and and yeah. how br- I thought it was just brilliant on every level.
0: Anything else in your queue at the moment? Uh, what
2: else have I been watching? I um, <laughs> I watched. I just finished watching Next in Fashion on Netflix. I don't know what that is. It's there. It's Netflix's Project Runway knockoff. Okay, but with like slightly bigger production values. Like they have an LED runway. Okay. Um, who, um, who's so,
0: our? Who's our Carly class? Right uh. Yeah, um. Uh,
2: t- t- who? Uh, What's well uh, Tan France? Okay. from From queer eye yeah. and um, uh, Erica Erica Chung Erica I can't remember Erica's last or, Erica Oh Chung. Alexa Alexa no Alexa, Alexa Alexa Chung Alexa Chung Okay Yeah Chung Alexa Chung Yes right. Yeah um, And they're they're great and the designers were kind of amazing like they're all it they all feel like they'd be in the final three on Project Runway if that makes sense yeah. They're all professional designers who've already started labels. And brands, and so they're all they're all pretty astounding, and the work that they produce was really really amazing. I watched it in a day and a half.
0: Oh, great! Yeah, I need A new thing to binge. Yes, and what's the price? What's the
1: incentive? Mm, I think two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, you're not fooling around. Solid, yeah.
2: It's so, it's so interesting. You know, on, you know, on Project Runway, that they 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 give you that money, but they also own you, and they own a huge piece of your business. And that's right. why there have been I know of at least one winner, but but probably multiples who have turned down the prize because they didn't want to share ownership of their companies with you know the Weinstein Company. Yeah, yeah. So fascinating. Something with
0: like the Voice, I think that that's actually not a great gig. None of it's to great to yeah. win. I couldn't name a single winner of the Voice. No. No, not if gave me all even that,
2: even though. even the seasons I watched, I'd be yeah. like, there was that blue guy. His name yeah. was Blue. I'm pretty great. sure, and he was great. And I thought, oh, he's going to be the one, the first one to break through. Nope, turns yeah. out no. Yeah, yeah.
1: Nor uh, can I do the the uh, ABC American Idol reboot. I couldn't name a, a mm-hmm. single winner. Nope,
2: I, not I, I haven't I haven't dropped in. Yeah, I haven't dropped in. Yeah,
1: just don't care. Yeah, uh, we are of course living in a uh, in now uh, Dua Lipa's world. Have you gotten on board with physical yet?
2: Uh, I don't, I, do, I literally, I'm not even sure what all those words mean. I do know, know who Dua Lipa is, but I okay. don't know. Is that, is it a new album? It, no, it's her new song that came out oh. a week or so ago. Haven't. It's all haven't, I have time for I've, really in my world. I've been, uh. I am obsessed with the soundtrack to my own movie, and it's all okay. I listen to. So, so what's on it? <laughs> um, An amazing, amazing song. Uh, if the world were ending.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, if the world was ending, I think is actually what the title of the song. If the world was ending. Um, this artist, Morgan. Do you know who Morgan is? Have you heard no. of Morgan? Morgan's this queer artist, really, really cool, who did a cover of I'm Just Wild About Harry for us that uh-huh. is so... Romantic and special, and I just love it. It just like li- it literally, literally will bring me to the brink of tears. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, there's another, there's a Ciara song in it. Um, we've got a Sean Mendes song in it. It's, it's really, well it's done. A, it's, yeah, it's really kicks ass. It's really, really fun. So.
0: So can we do kind of a career retrospective, well, starting around the queerest Folk Days, and bring us up to— Sure. You, we can start right, before like that, movie. if you want. We yeah, can, yeah. you know, sure. regional theater. I'm kidding. Great. I'm not. Great. I'm just totally teasing. Oh, I'm <laughs> dying to. What, what are your
1: roles? What were your roles in high school, Peter
2: Page? Uh, my roles in high school—I um, uh, played Mr. Mushnick in Little Shop of Horrors. Uh-huh. Uh, I was, it was so, It's so weird. Like I had braces. It was very, you know, I played CK Dexter Haven in the Philadelphia story. Great. Um, yeah. Those were my high school roles. Uh, there were some others too, but. And where um, was this? Uh, I went to junior high at a prep school in Birmingham, Alabama. And then Mm -hmm. in 10th grade, I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina and went to the WGN Low um, Performing Arts and Academic Magnet. Wow. Oh, yes, yes. It actually was kind of an amazing, amazing public high school. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was a really incredible. It was this kind of interesting. it, It was at the very beginning of that sort of magnet school movement. And we were in the middle of downtown Raleigh. Um, so there were the local kids who lived near the school, and then they bussed in all the smart kids and all the artsy kids um, to, this, to this one school, and we all went to school together. And what it sort of meant was you could sort of dial up or dial down your academic prowess or your creative proclivities in any area at any time. You know what I mean? If you were yeah. great at math but sucked at everything else, there were, you could take you know AP Calc, but you could also just be just be you know and anything else. Like it, it was it was a really amazing amazing place. I'm super wow. grateful I went to school
1: there. God, that's not, it's like and, Fame, but North Carolina. Yeah, and, it,
2: although there was like the North Carolina School for the Arts, which was actually the Fame School. Yeah, um, uh, it was it was a little bit like that. We we fancied ourselves a bit that way. Sure. I, did, I did barrel turns on concrete out in front of the school, <laughs> uh, you know, more than once. Great, my knees are swollen to the day because okay, of it. I love
0: it. I love it. And so you mm. were you'd been working in TV and film for a. Good uh, for a number of years before Queer as Folk came along.
2: Right? Not, not really. Really, I I went to I went to Boston University, graduated with a degree in acting. I'm a classically trained, like you know, I was sort of born to do like Shakespeare, Moliere, Shaw, Ibsen, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, came out into the world, struggled mightily, um, which was sort of a shock to me. I was sort of uh, one of the darlings of the program, and so when I came out into the world and had to face the the real the real life of it all, I was like, why Why isn't everybody on board with me? Um, now I completely know why it just, I hadn't, I, I was, you know, 22, I was six foot one. I weighed nine pounds soaking wet. I had the face of like a 12 year old boy. My voice was down here because I was dropped in all the time because I had been through theater training Mm -hmm. and I just didn't, I didn't make sense. And I was uncomfortable in my own skin. I was uncomfortable with my femininity. I, you know what I mean? I just didn't, I had not found myself at all. And it took me a long time to do that. Um, I was, you know, I, I bounced around the regionals and did a bunch of stuff, you know, sort of, like I said, did Shakespeare and Moliere and things like that. And then, uh, finally made my way to LA in 97 and started to, my fir- my very first audition, I booked a big guest spot on Suddenly Susan.
0: Wow. Oh, With Brooke
2: Shields, Susie Kurtz, and Barbara Berry. Oh, I was the, I was the nervous undertaker who had to bury, um, Susan's father.
0: Oh, wow.
2: And, uh. Who was? It was like his first week on the job, and he was not handling it well. And oh, it was God. an amazing, it was an amazing, amazing gift because I had left New York, kind of tail between my legs, like, oh, I guess there's no place for me in this business. I'm a failure. And I got to Portland, Oregon, for a couple of years to do theater. Found my sea legs. Found a manager, who, or actually, a manager found me and was like, "What are you doing here? You should be in L.A." And got that job and sort of cried for four hours, like, oh, 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 oh maybe there is a
0: place for me here. So, and three years after that, I booked Queers Vogue. And were you, prior to Queer Spoken, sort of in those three years, um, w- w- was there like an active effort to sort of squash your femininity? Is that something that had been sort of like scared out of you? In- e- sure. Summer? I mean, yeah, there yeah. there, there was. Uh, I
2: I went through a, what I call my David Duchovny phase, where everything I acted, I acted like this, because if there wasn't any affect, you couldn't clock me as being a fag. Right. you know what I mean? Oh,
1: yeah. You know i mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: have been there? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And it makes for some really dull acting work. Sure. And for some reason, I never booked any jobs when I did this. <laughs> I don't know. it's can you believe it? Uh, I didn't. Yeah. I, and so and it's me. it was a real, um, it was an interesting challenge for me. And then, um, and then I was uh, here's a story for you. I was the other choice for Jack on Will and Grace. Really? Wow. I went in and read for Will and Grace, and they were like. Oh, and they're all sort of now I'm now I'm friends with Max and David and mostly Max. And uh, and they were like, oh, look at you. And they were like, well, listen, we are testing someone tomorrow and we're not going to test you against him. But if that doesn't work, you're our next guy. We're, Mm. We're ready for you. And I now, and now I know so much more about testing and the business and all of that. And I know I, cause I, I was, I was the ringer for a lot of other guys. Mm. I was the, the, the pole horse, if you will, you know, for a lot of other roles, but um, didn't get that job was. And then for like a year, year and a half was told in multiple auditions, um, you remind us too much of Sean. Oh. And I was like, Oh Ooh. God, is that, is this going to be it? Is that going to be my legacy? Like I was an almost ran. Oh God. Like. Really? Yeah. And I was I was pretty freaked out about it and then one day a casting director buddy of mine approached me at the gym and said, "Hey, um Showtime just bought Queer as Folk. If I were you, I'd make a phone call." Mm. And I did. I called my manager, my manager called casting. I was the I was in the first morning of pre-reads. I was in the first morning of producer sessions. Um, I originally went in for a different character. Um, within minutes, they were like, no, 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 that's not you, but will you read this part? I had prepared that part because I knew yeah. the same thing. And, uh, and it
1: changed my life. Wow. Which part did you go in for? Ted, uh-huh.
2: the sort of self-loathing, yeah. you know, kind of Barry sort of guy. Right. Yeah. So, And I can do self-loathing with the best of them. Sure. <laughs> but <laughs> so I acted it really well. In fact, the casting director, when I read it, she was like... I read it for her, and then I said, can I read Emmett for you? And she was like, I, I just told you I was giving you a callback for Ted. And I was like, I, I know, but just let me let me read this for you. And so I read Emmett, and she said, I don't think I've ever said this in my career. Who do you want to come back for producers for? Yeah. And I said, you know what? You brought me in for Ted. Bring me back for Ted. Smartest decision I ever made. Because then when the producers had the idea, they had ownership of it. It felt special to them. I hadn't forced something on them. And, uh, and, but I was totally ready and in the zone. And, and according to them, they, I was the first Emmett they ever heard and they never, they never wanted anybody else. Mm.
0: Wow. And fuck mm. you, Sean McFarland. <laughs> no, Wait, no. Who, Sean Hayes? Sean Hayes. Yeah. Sean? Wait, what? Oh, Jack McFarland. Uh, Jack, McFarland. Jack, McFarland. <laughs> Jack McFarland. I
2: was like. <laughs> but there's a Luke like,
1: McFarland. Uh, there, yes. Like him too. No, no, I'm just him all. Love all of them.
2: He's a, he's he's a sweetheart. He, we see each other at the gym all the time.
0: Oh, well, of course. Which um, Which gym?
2: Gold, Gold's Gold, Gold Hollywood. Twenty three years I've been going to that gym.
0: Oh, so you didn't have to go to Equinox. I didn't have to. I did not have to
2: shame quit Equinox. That's great. And yeah, all my friends who quit are back. Are you guys back yet? I'm not back.
0: No, I am back at Soul Cycle. Quietly, uh, and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the same thing basically. Yeah, but. totally. I'll be back. We'll all be yeah. back, of course. Should we take a break? Let's take a break. <laughs> We're back with Peter Page. Hi. Hi. So, Peter Page, mm-hmm.
2: seeing anyone? Uh, I am, uh, I have been dating very, very, very casually. Uh-huh. I, I actually took last year off of dating. Okay. After about a decade of like one, two, three and out, one, two, three and out, I realized like, oh, they're not all the wrong guy. I'm the wrong guy. And I need to figure out what the fuck my problem is.
0: Because you, the out was usually you. The one, two, three out. Not was.
2: necessarily. It was either it was it was me if they were interesting and available. It was them if if if. Uh, it, no, I'm sorry. It was uh, yeah. I walked away if they were available. They walked away if they weren't. Eventually, do right. you know what I'm saying? Right. I, I was I was only interested in people who sort of were heismaning me. Uh-huh. Classic. I'm, I'm doing the gesture in case yeah. the yeah. listeners, you
1: know,
0: yeah,
2: are unfamiliar.
0: And so what did you learn in that year off? Um, I think I
2: learned, um, what did I learn? Uh, I learned that I'm still carrying a lot of shit. You know, I'm still carrying a lot of shit that you guys talk about a lot on the podcast. A lot of like, you know, I grew up in the, I was born in 69. You know, I, I, I was literally coming of age sexually at the birth of the AIDS crisis. So like any, any, you know, any hope I had of shedding just the generalized kind of internalized homophobia that we were all being fed on a really regular basis and still are to some degree, um, uh, was, was really, um, diminished by, by that, you know? And, um, and look that, you know, there's a million other things and another other pieces of my story that are you know particular to me um, certainly m- many, many, many men of my generation have found, you know, meaningful, long-term satisfying relationships. I just have, you know, a particular
1: bag of sticks that I carry around and I'm sorting through. Yeah. So what was your, like, what's your relationship with the coming out thing? When, from first sort of glimmer, do you, do you, I started coming out in high school Really? in, in, in probably
2: 1985. That's bold. Wow. Um, I, again, I went to a, like a funky, you know, performing sure. artsy high school. So it wasn't, and i didn't I didn't like fully fully come out, but I sort of like told a few friends I thought I was bi, and you know, and i I did date a couple boys and um, you know, sniffed around telling the truth, got some mixed reactions, but but it wasn't it wasn't terrible. My hmm, you know I want to blame a lot on being a gay man growing up in that age. But the truth is, I think my shame, my challenges, the stuff I carry is is other than that. I had a pretty good coming out experience really. Yeah. You know, I, by the time I got to college, 2 weeks 2 weeks into acting school, I was like, "Yep, I'm bi." And and like 3 months later, I was like, "Nope, just gay. Yeah. <laughs> just a big homo." And uh and it was that was all good, you know. The the stuff that I'm working through is is um is fear of intimacy stuff, and I don't I certainly don't think that's unique to gay men.
0: And was there ever a pressure to be in professionally? Um, not really. I'm,
2: I was so out as a human being and I, you know, I've been, I'm a, I'm a pretty political creature as well. And I certainly don't think it was, it was any, you know, accident that I ended up my, that my big break was Queer as Folk. Mm -hmm. And you know, they came, they came to us interestingly when we were, you know, um, shooting the show before we got on the air and they were like, listen, we're going to start setting you guys up for press. You need to think about, they're going to ask you the questions. So you need to think, we're, we support whatever you want to say. And Randy Harrison and I, who were the only two gay members of the cast the first season, looked at each other and were like, Can you imagine being on this show and being like, I'd rather not discuss my sexuality? Like it's the whole, the whole theme of the show was literally no apologies, no regrets. And I was like, well, uh, that that's bananas. That doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, so that was the moment. I mean, before that, nobody cared. Nobody nobody asks you when you're, you know, a guest star on Caroline in the city, like if you're, (laughs) what's your sexuality? So, um, uh, and it was interesting. I, I, you know, unlike some people you've had on the show who, you know, I think Andrew Scott was saying, like, it certainly hasn't impacted my career. I was like, it impacted mine. Sure. I went, you know, parts that I would test for before Queer as Folk. Once I came out and was playing, you know, the, the the gayest guy on the gayest show on television, I pretty much couldn't even get seen for a non-gay role. If it didn't say gay in the breakdown, they didn't, they didn't see me for it.
1: Right. And there weren't that many at the time.
2: There absolutely weren't. It, it, I had, you know, Queer's Folk was an amazing, amazing ride for me. My first year off of Queer's Folk, I had a really good year. I did History Boys at the Amundsen. I did a really great recurring on a small little WB show, but it was really beautiful and really beautifully written. And what was the show? Um, uh, related. Okay. And it was just—it was a lovely, lovely little ensemble drama, and I got, but I got—they wrote me beautiful, beautiful stuff. And I got to work with um, Christine Neversall and Keely Sanchez, who's still one of my like closest friends to this day. Oh, be damned! Um, and it was just a real—it was that 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 little show was such such a gift to me. Yeah. Um, and I uh, uh, I got to do this amazing guest star in the, on on um, well, that was actually sort of right at the end, the closer. But after that, the year after that, it turned into like makeup artists, shoe salesmen, right. and like quippy assistants. Mm-hmm. And it just I was like, "Oh, I did the most interesting version of this for five years. This just doesn't speak to me anymore. Right. And I just I just started passing on more and more stuff. And writing and directing became more and more important to me. And and that began the
1: sort of the the great transition. For a while when there started to be gay roles, that's all they were. Mm-hmm. You were just there to teach the straight person a lesson or to deliver uh, yeah. a, a sassy line.
2: Even Post Will and Grace and Queer as Folk, yeah. both of which were hits and both of which had had put, you know, were had put gay people at the center of their own narratives. It was sort of astonishing that like, nope, we're still we're still going to we're going to slide right back to pretty much where we were beforehand. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah. So that was that was frustrating to me. And I'm but I'm you know, I'm super happy that that um, men a little further down the road, you know, that they that they haven't had to carry that the same way.
0: Do you still see it, though? I mean, not not in not in sort of like queer centered stories, but in, you know, like mainstream broadcasty things. Some,
2: for sure. And I mean, look, there is still plenty of room. There's still plenty of room, even in this age of like, you know, peak peak television, 500 shows, all, you know, being produced at any given moment. Um, and that's a literal number, not even a not that's not even my usual hyperbolic kind of overstating of things um There's still plenty of room for layered interesting nuanced queer characters, mm-hmm. but they do creep they do pop up more and more and more so i'm I'm super happy about that and it's also great to see you know openly queer actors who are who are succeeding and, and thriving in kind of all different facets of their careers right.
0: And so, th- when you when you kind of transitioned to um, more writing and directing and showrunning, was there another like coming out for you? You know that oh, this is who I am now. That, you know that uh, I'm not just identifying as an actor anymore.
1: Ah. Uh.
2: No, I think, I, I mean, I, my dad predicted that transition about 20 years before I did it. Uh-huh. He was like, you were a bossy motherfucker from the first day. Like, I, I will not be surprised when you end up behind the scenes. He, he said it, and I was so offended by that. And in fact, my, the end of acting school, the last, the last week of acting school, I sit down with the head of the acting program and the, and the head of the school for theater for this kind of exit interview thing. And they both looked at me and they were like, you, you know, you're really a director, Right. And I was like, "Well, I, first of all, I just got a $100,000 acting education. And second of all, I, all I could hear, instead of sort of an objective statement, I heard, you're too ugly, you're too gay, you're never going to work. Mm. And that kind of, that really just gave me an ax to grind. And I was like, I will succeed. I will, you know, Kim Raver will not be the only person to yeah. graduate from this class and, and to have a career. Like, I will do it. And I did. And as soon as I'd done it, as soon within three months of of booking Queer as Folk, which I which I loved, by the way, I loved, I enjoyed that show probably more than anyone in the cast because I knew I had worked so hard to get there, and I knew how special it was. But I I knew within a few months, like I was like, I need to be writing and directing. Mm. I got I got more to say than this.
0: So, uh, so then, how did the the film come to be?
2: The, the latest film Well, the so latest. so I, I'll just fly you through really quickly. Um, started writing pilots, got a writing partner. We were very lucky, started selling very quickly, so, which kept us sort of alive and fed. Um, we finally got the Fosters made, put the Fosters on the air. That ran for a hundred episodes. Um, we did a spin-off of that show called Good Trouble. Um, that's that's still going. your Your friend Daisy Egan, yes. is is uh, is our, our our beloved Joey on the show. Um, and so I've had this long, long history with freeform. One of our non-writing executive producers, Greg Gugliotta, came to me and said, I sold a a gay rom-com to Freeform. And we wrote it as a Christmas movie. We had a writer on it. We wrote it as a Christmas movie. It's not quite working. Um, but they like the idea. They're interested in turning it into a, their Valentine's Day movie are you interested? And I was like, well, I love a rom-com. I am a total sappy romantic at heart, even though I can't seem to make my own. I'm like that, ther- that therapist whose life is a mess. I'm a, I'm a, i am i am ai can write love with the best of them. I am mm-hmm. incapable at, apparently at having it in my own life. Um, uh, at least romantic love, platonic love. I'm very good. At it. I've got amazing, <laughs> amazing friends. Um, uh, so they came to me and said, would you be interested in rewriting this? And I read it and I was like, I'm not really interested in rewriting this, but if what you want is a rom-com about two young men falling in love, I can write the fuck out of that. And I pitched them my take on it. They said, that's the movie we want. I said, I'll write it if you'll let me direct it. And they said, go. And uh, I wrote it in July while I was traveling around Europe and it was greenlit in September. We, uh, I prepped in October. We shot it in November, and here we are, early February, and it comes out in two weeks. Wow! wow. So how are you? I'm good. I'm tired. Yeah, <laughs> and a little, a little buzzed off it all. I'm, uh-huh. I, I definitely am having, uh, I'm having feelings. I'm having sort of a workaholic letdown, post show blues, if mm-hmm. you will, um, about sort of how much time and energy I've been putting into that. But um, I'm so, so proud of the movie. It's really, really is exactly what I wanted it to be. It is an unabashedly romantic um, comedy um, with all the, the sort of, you know, the sort of like putting on the, your favorite bathrobe feelings of a rom-com. Like mm-hmm. you recognize it, you know it, you feel it in your guts. Like this is a rom-com. And then you realize like, oh, I don't have to translate this one.
0: Yeah. This
2: one's just for me. And after years of sitting in the dark and watching Julia Roberts and Sandra Bullock and and Kate Hudson and all of those women um, have men pursue them and fall in love with them, I was, I'm just, I cry every time I watch the movie. Yeah. Every time. Yeah.
0: What rom coms were sort of your touchstones? Were the things you went back to to watch for inspiration? I I
2: didn't do a ton of that to be honest, but I watch rom coms so much that I don't really have to. They, yeah. There's nothing that's kind of in my blood more. What's your um, what's your Number one. My number one is probably while you were sleeping.
1: Mm.
2: Um, despite all its preposterousness and its sort of you know slightly sadistic, you're really lying to a family about their son who's in a coma. Yeah. Um, but I just uh, that 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 was when I fell in love with Sandra Bullock, and yeah. and that. That's I I love its humanity and its messiness. You know what I mean? It's it, what I love about that is that is that you're like, well, if if Sandra Bullock, who can't even manage to, like, pull her hands out of her sleeves in that movie. I don't know if you notice that she never she's like always is yes, yes, like yes. has her hands pulled back into her sleeves as she's talking to people. If like she who works at it, you know, who who takes takes tokens at the the Chicago mm-hmm. at the L can find love, then then maybe somebody as messy as me could too. And so, yeah, I, that's that's absolutely one of my faves. And then there's all the you know, I love Pretty Woman. I love when Harry met Sally. I, there's there's a billion of them that I that I love, but there's a surprising dearth of of queer ones. Well, yeah. And and I you know, there's Trick, which a movie that I also love. Yes. Um, uh, but then it gets it gets real thin real fast, and I'm just really grateful that Freeform and Disney decided that this was going to be their Valentine's Day movie, and um, and it just it's I think it's really good that it exists. It's
0: about time. Hmm. And do Paul you Mark, have any Valentine's Day plans?
2: Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. You got to make some. I <laughs> I guess so. You guys,
0: you guys got anybody for me? Cause oh, okay. <laughs> I Hey, open up the DMS. And this drops. So yeah, just get ready. All right. <laughs> um, when you, you mentioned that you're kind of casually dating right now, how is that? Where, where are you meeting people? Do you use the apps? You know, what's so funny. You guys
2: often say on the pod, you guys talk about how like, uh, oh, dating in your twenties, man, twenties are messy, boy. It was awful. Let me tell you what dating in your 40s and 50s is. It okay. fucking sucks. Yeah. It's crazy. No, why? Because here here are my theories. Look, and these are not absolutes. There are exceptions to every rule. But the good ones have settled down. The people mm. out in the waters are the crazies. So you go on a lot of dates with a lot of crazies. And your capacity to tolerate other people's bullshit has diminished so much over the three decades of you coming into your own that that I'll go on a date with people who I would have spent six months with before and I'll be like, this has been really lovely thank you so much I wish you well
1: yeah
2: so it's so there's just a it, the the amount of sort of output to get something meaningful back is so much higher and I know I know there's lots of great guys out there my age i I, I know that but it, it's um it's definitely been
0: a ride. So, you do prefer to date sort of similar age range?
2: Uh, yeah, I don't date dad. I, I was always like a guy with a little bit of a daddy thing. Like my, when I was 25, my boyfriend was 45. Mm-hmm. I called,
1: I called a friend and, of mine. just giving out plane tickets left and right.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wasn't right. my boyfriend. That was, that was his. No, the, the, oh, the guy who gave me yeah. the plane ticket Wait. was dating you. No, yes. you're not kidding. Your boyfriend. It was like yeah. a, a casual thing, but. Yeah, I, I'm so he, curious who this was. You have to older. tell me after we're off yes, the air. Yes, All yes,
2: right. Yes. Um, that is. That's so crazy! I yeah. thought that was your boyfriend who did that. No, no, oh, he, I didn't he, even. Understand. And,
0: and I'm, he probably was like forty-five at the time, and you were much younger. And yeah. I'm, I, I was—I remember thinking like he's a hundred years old.
2: But like, oh. I'll never be there. <laughs> I called a friend of mine who was who I met when I was dating my forty five year old boyfriend when I was twenty five, and I called him a few years ago and I was like, I want you to know that you and I are currently older than that guy was yeah. when we were friends, and he was like, shut your fucking mouth, and I was like, no, it's true. We are we are the old men. That, uh, that we once, you know, kind of otherized. It's so crushing.
0: Every time I watch like a Sex in the City reel where like, Miranda, couldn't believe she was a 34-year-old woman oh, alone. Yeah. I'm like, I'm older than Miranda. <laughs> oh, How, right. is this? How is can this I, possible? Can I
1: tell you one that's going to blow your fucking mind? Like, literally, it's going to rip both of your heads off of your necks. <laughs> can I, all right, oh, I'm afraid. Season one of the Mary Tyler Moore show, mm. Ed Asner was 38. No, yeah.
2: no, I believe that. Well, I'm,
1: years. I'm, I think
2: no. Uh, Wilford Brimley was 52 in yeah. Cocoon. Yep. So I am, oh, I am a year and a half away from my Wilford Brimley moment.
0: Wow. Huh.
2: Yeah.
0: And the I gold there's, there's like a meme going around comparing like R- R- Rue McClanahan, yeah. and Golden Girls, to J Lo because she was essentially 50 years old and being treated like you know she's ready to to pass. There you go. But it's a whole different world. It's, it's a different a world. world. It's it a completely a, it different a, world. It's a slightly different world.
1: I mean, we're, we're making it safer for people in their 40s and 50s. I
0: hope. <laughs> I guess I so. I hope. I predict that you are about to enter a stage where guys in your age range have, you know, maybe got into a long-term relationship a little earlier than they were ready to, had to do some growing on their own. They've left yeah. those behind and they're about ready to- To have the real one.
2: Yeah. Let's hope.
0: Yeah. I'm hoping that's has my thing. I haven't, I, it's been-
2: My last, like, real, real, real love, like, was over a decade ago, Mm. and it was, it was a nice. It it lasted a long while. It went really well for a long time, and then he thought that crystal meth would be a great idea. Oh no! So that, so it went real south. That's heartbreaking. Real fast. It was. It was super heartbreaking. Um. So you know, don't, don't, don't bring that to. I mean, that's the thing that I find so, so disheartening. It's like we survived the fucking AIDS crisis. Like I mean do you, do you remember like every time you got a cough you were yeah. like well bye oh, yeah. it's, it's over for me yeah. it's over for me i i sucked a dick last last month so i'm now i deserve to die yeah yeah like it just you would you would go to get tested and you'd bring a friend to get your results and you'd be shaking and you'd cry with relief or with the you know whatever it was it was just this endless, endless anxiety, and we finally like make our way through that. So many people literally gave their lives and literally gave up every ounce of energy they had to, so that we could like, you know, get on prep and yeah. you know all that stuff. And now people are like, "I know, I'm feeling good. How about some crystal meth? Why don't I
1: invite a new plague onto myself? Onto myself. Yeah. And it just it just devastates me. Yeah. It just devastates me. I remember my first test. It was a home test and you had a, there was a one 800 number that you had to call in after like 14 days or whatever.
2: <laughs> after like six months. Oh you, well, yeah, remember, no, it, it was, was long, so long. Yeah. Yes.
1: And, uh, and I was, I was at work at the time and I like, and I had the number and I called it every day just to see, just to see if it came in early. And, um, and then on like the 13th day I called and I got a recording that said negative and I was so happy. First of all, I left work. I was like, that, that, that's it. I'm <laughs> yeah, taking the I rest quit. of the day off. Yeah. <laughs> and I called back just to hear the negative result. So many times that after like five or six, I got a person and they were like, you've done this a lot. Are you okay? <laughs> like you, you know, we only have this recording for you so many times. Like there might be, <laughs> Other issues. Like, do you <laughs> need to talk you to somebody? Which uh, that, I, I immediately waited 10 years and then got into therapy. There you oh, go. Good yeah. job. That was my- <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, that was such a part of daily life for so yeah. long, which is not a thing I think people in their 20s are ever going to fully yet, I, understand. For sure.
2: For sure. And I mean, you know, and still people are serial converting, you know, every day, but it's. Uh, I don't think that that particular kind of anxiety was yeah. is. Uh, oh. Hopefully, they won't ever have to feel it
1: when it went straight to death sentence.
2: It, I mean, just no truly thought of being manageable. Sore, sore or, throat. It didn't right. matter what it was. Sore throat. A, a, a pimp Like if you got a zit, you know, anywhere except your face, you were like, oh, it's That's it's a, over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My, my my best friend and I used to tease each other. We'd be like, "Hope it's
1: not the big one." Yeah,
2: you know. And now we're of the age where we go, "I hope it's hope it's not the big one." Like, it, you know, you mean it because we're old. But right. Huh.
1: Yeah, it that was uh, an unbelievably terrifying. It was just life. so exhausting. I don't, and I don't, I don't know that I've even admitted
2: until this very moment how exhausting it was. Yeah, because it was it was never gone. It was never out of your body. Even when you got the relief you know, you, 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 you'd hear, Oh, you're negative, And then you would like go out and celebrate and get drunk and have sex. And then you would be, you'd be back you're in back anxiety. In right. Or there, and there was always that sort of like, well, if you had sex in the last six weeks, this doesn't actually cover. So there was, there was never a full cellular relief Things anyway. Sleep. Right. So it just, it was just unrelenting. Unrelenting.
0: Did the guy that you were talking to sort of last great love, did he get help? Uh, he he got some help. I I
2: truly do not know if he's alive or not. Wow! At this point, wow. I had to I had to remove myself from the situation. It was too much for me.
0: Oof. And other exes are they are you are you in touch? Do you remain friends? Um, friendly. I'm not really friends with any of
2: my exes. Um, my my bar for friendship is really really high. I have mm. I have the most amazing group of friends. Most of them have been my friends since college so we have a 30 year history and we grew we, we really grew each other up and um and so you know you got to bring you got to be bringing something pretty amazing to the game if you want me to carve out that space in in my life mm-hmm. and most of my exes have not have not reached that bar yeah. and that's honestly that's part of what's wrong with my picker is i pick people who wouldn't be my friends who wouldn't who who i wouldn't be friends with does that make sense mm-hmm. like yeah. they're so different from my friend group that i'm that it's like so
1: anyway, but so, maybe it doesn't look like it like you were raised to think that it would look. For sure, you know. I I think that's got to be
2: true because <laughs> yeah. clearly I I my best thinking has gotten me yeah. you know here
1: here uh em- embarrassed to yeah. be talking about my lack of a love life. Yeah. And you largely didn't have queer elders to I'm, model a, a new kind of yeah. relationship or a new kind of relationship to there weren't many. We had we
2: did amazingly, at, at at in acting school at BU, our voice our two voice and speech teachers were a married gay couple in their in their fifties probably at the time fifties or sixties or and yeah. um and they were such role models in 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 this kind of amazing way they. One of them who was like a terrible, terrible professor, terrible teacher. His his husband was a br- was brilliant, brilliant voice and speech teacher, but he was kind of lazy and wasn't really into it. And really, he just wanted to tell you stories about how he used to be best friends with Elizabeth Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love a good story about Elizabeth Montgomery, so why wouldn't I want to hear? Yeah. He he was the one who like for the the second day of school got all the college freshmen in and was like, "This is a cock," and he held up a banana and he was like, "This is a condom, and this is how you use it, and that's going to keep you alive." And honest to God, I think it's saved us all because, yeah. you know, I will tell you, there's no nothing more true than than people at acting school are going to have sex. And sure. he was aware of it and made sure that we were going to do it safely. Um, and then uh, and they had been they had been together for, you know, 30 years or something like that. So I did have right. this like little glimmer. I'm, I didn't apparently it didn't land, but <laughs> yeah. but I can't dismiss them. Yeah. I'm grateful for them
0: so when you you were saying that from while you were sleeping you sort- what you sort of gleaned from it is that you know if this uh you know woman who takes tokens on <laughs> the l can fall in love, so can i what what is the lesson about love that you gleaned glean from the thing about harry i just
2: that you deserve it, just that you deserve it you know um Jake Borelli from Grey's Anatomy plays sam the who's sort of our our way in, and he you know his um all the stories he's telling himself and the rules he has and the heartbreak that that has shaped him um has him really reactionary and really quick to push away and it just it just takes time for him to finally be able to receive the kind of this this unexpected love and um that's i think the thing that wrecks me every time is just watching him open himself up finally
0: and when it came time to to find him and to cast this, what was um, what was important to you? Um, uh, it was
2: important to me—so there are three leads in the movie, and it was important to me that at least one of them be openly queer. It was important to me that at least one of them not be white. And, um, to you know, to satisfy sort of network needs and demands, I needed at least one of them to be a name of some sorts. So—and I, I got really lucky. I got mm-hmm. Jake is openly queer, and he's, you know, on, on the biggest show on television, and so— he, he hit that. Um, uh, Nico, and by the way, I, the only reason I got him is because my best friend is Krista Vernoff, who runs that show on Station 19. And I called her and said, what about Jake? And she was like, I can't, honey, I can't. He's got, we're doing a crossover. He's too busy, da 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 And then right before Chemistry Reads, I called her again and I was like, is there really no way I can have Jake? And she was like, give me an hour. And she called me back and she was like, I would not do this for another living soul, but for you. I will rewrite something. Oh, my. So that you can have him for three weeks, wow. and she did. Um, and then uh, Nico Taro, who plays Harry, um, Nico has never had a job on camera before in his life. Wow. And he's fantastic. It's it's one of those things. He was just meant to do it. He was a professional soccer player. He came back to New York. He's a personal trainer. He was he took classes at um, at one of the studios in New York for a while. He found his way to the ABC Diversity Showcase. Got signed by an agent. We were the first audition he'd ever had. He put himself on tape. He sent it to us. I had chills up and down my body, and I was like, "Get him on a plane." We flew him to LA for chemistry reads with Jake. Um, I thought, well, this is a high stress situation. At least we'll get a sense. Like, is he going to, is he going to collapse under the weight of this, this gig? Cool as a cucumber. He's, he's, um, he's from Barbados mm-hmm. and he's got that great Island Jill. Like nah, nothing really, really matters that much, which yeah. is, I, boy, I wish I had like just a drop of that in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was amazing. And the two of them together, it was like, well, there it is. That's the movie. That's magic. And Yeah. Um, and they both deliver in spades. I can't even tell you; it's they're so 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 good. And then uh, the female lead is Britt Barron from Glow, mm-hmm. who plays she plays Mark Maron's daughter on the show, mm-hmm. and she's oh, like a super talent. She just oh, just so her work is so mature beyond her years. I just and the three of them together, they they all brought this kind of a great color to the palette, and and it was such a such a pleasure. Plus, I act a little bit in it too. I heard. I, yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, it's very exciting.
0: Um, and it's a Valentine's movie, so is there a possibility for a Christmas follow-up? And
2: there, like, I, I can tell you, uh, I, I'm prepared to, to pitch a very hairy Christmas any any day. So great. I'm I'm ready. We actually, me and the producers had had dinner a couple weeks ago, and we we broke it out. So we're ready to go.
0: Great, and the name so, sells itself. Right? Yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah. Um, a last question is: What's happening with the Queers Folk reboot? Where are we?
2: Uh, we are nowhere. <laughs> Um, they are doing a, like a total, total, just, just taking a brand and completely rebooting the series. Okay. Um, I don't really know much about it. It's a peacock. Um, uh, none of the original cast are involved mm. as far as I know. Um, we're, and we're all still pretty tight. So I think I would, I would know if somebody yeah. were doing something, having something to do with it. Um, so I, I that's really all I can tell you. It ain't us so which is which is a bummer it i would is. i would love to i would love to revisit those guys even for like a, a movie or a little six episode you know mini just just um i know that there's i understand that there's not a huge hunger for you know aging queers um but but we're out there, and we have stories, and I think it would be these characters were really beloved, and I think it would be lovely to to be able to check back in on them.
1: And there wasn't an audience for queers in your our no. career, you yeah. know, in the, in the last couple of decades. Yeah, these things have to be cultivated. Yeah, you know, and they're It's so, so, so short
0: sighted because the the. What's so great about the L word reboot is that you sort of get the best of both worlds so that if you are, if you're tuning in, cause you want to see that, tw- 22 year olds, mm-hmm. you know, having sex scenes, you can see that, but you also get the sort of legacy of the, of the, of the, yeah, yeah. of
2: the grown ups. And that, uh, that was exactly our pitch. Quite frankly, we had that pitch before L word. Yeah. Before we knew about the L Word reboot. Part of the the issue is um, Showtime owns the L Word outright, Mm. and they did not own Queer as Folk outright because of the the Channel 4, like all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. And the rights had ended up at a rights house, something I didn't even know about, even despite all my Mm -hmm. years in the business. Um, There are people who buy up the rights to things when they sort of, you know, lay – Lay on the ground, and uh, and then you go to them, and you you pay them money to to get the rights, and mm. that's what this this writer did, and so, um, so we were we were a little too late out of the gate.
0: That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, how are you thinking about the legacy? When you when you mentioned um, you know sort of having very few gay elder. Role models before I was just thinking that you know for for some people not many you're still very young but for some people you are that person I'm I'm not that young you <laughs> know I mean I'm one of them I, but and, I have and, I have a wonderful vibrant youthful energy but I'm
2: not that young um, and look for sure no um I thank you um, uh very much, by the way like Jake and I so I I basically play that part in the movie mm-hmm. I I play Jake's character's um, roommate and landlord and kind of mentor. Um, I'm really the, just there to ask him questions and to push him. And um uh it it mirrored very nicely my relationship with Jake. We had gone out to dinner just a few nights before we shot that stuff. And you know, he he's a year away from his coming out publicly. And he hasn't really had anybody to talk to about the sort of specifics of that experience. Like, yeah, yes, he's on TV with a lot of famous people but the the uniqueness of being openly queer in front of the world and what that means and the responsibilities that come with it and the the onus you sort of feel to represent and all of that stuff like I, there are very very few of us who have walked that specific path and it was he you know I, I was I was humbled to be asked, and I think he was quite grateful to for the two of us to have been able to share kind of here here's here's what I learned mm. here's what I know. And, um, not that I'm right or wrong or, you know, smarter than, than the average bear, but I, I um, um, yeah, I, 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 certainly didn't have that. And, um, I, I adore, adore him and, and feel this, I do feel this sort of like, come here, bud. Let me, I just want to hold you while you shake mm. a little bit. Cause I understand.
0: Yeah. So. Well, I'm so excited to see, uh, the thing about Harry. February 15th on Freeform, February 16th on Hulu. Right on. Can't wait. Uh, Valentine's Please. plans are and set. Done. Yeah,
2: exactly. And it's it's perfect cuz you go out Friday night for Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. Saturday night, you're broke and yeah. you're lovelorn and you just want to fucking cuddle up and 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 have a good a feel good time. It's it's I, I I say this with with all the requisite whatever's. It's so good. I'm mm-hmm. so proud of it. If you love a rom-com, you you will love the movie, I promise. Congratulations. Peter Page. Thank you guys so
0: much for being here.
2: And I I love your pod and I love what you guys are doing. I think it's really super important and keep it up. Thank
1: Thank you you very much. Ah! Peter Page. Can't say just Peter. No, he's he's
0: Peter Page. He's a Peter Page. Uh, And he's a dream. He really is. He showed up turned out. He looked him at I mean, check out that photo. Check out that outfit. He mm. is a dreamboat. He yeah. is. So happy we finally got to talk to him. And uh, so happy that I got to talk to you, Dave Holmes. Oh, Matt McConkey, thank you so much. Kimmy Lucas, thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan Connor. Thank you, Hannah Crichton. Thank you, everybody at Earwolf and Stitcher. And guys, if you want to hear our... Uh, back catalog of episodes mm-hmm. you're wondering why I can only see a certain amount of them in my in my uh, free stream thing yeah it's cause you need a Stitcher Premium account you go to Stitcher Premium yeah and you're gonna get ad free episodes you're gonna get bonus episodes you know we did this whole series that's only on Stitcher Premium called Momophilia yep uh, also, Throwing Shade presents groceries. It was a spinoff oh. that they did
1: only about grocery stores, and it's the best thing I've heard in ages. It is truly
0: my favorite thing I've ever heard. I love it. And, and it's only on Stitcher Premium. And you can get a month free if you use code HOMO. Mm-hmm. And Stitcher there's Premium a bunch of on. stuff on there, too. And also, you should go to podswag.com. Yes. Slash HOMO to get yourself some merch. You can get some homophilia T-shirts. You can get a signed copy t-shirts. of Party of One by Dave Holmes. Sure. I don't even have my copy signed. What? I guess I got to buy one. Yep, you do. Um, also, what else? Oh, please, uh, if
1: you're using Apple Podcasts, whatever podcatcher you use, but certainly Apple Podcasts, give us a rating if you would.
0: Yes, maybe write us a little review. It really does help get the word out to new listeners. As long as you love the show and want to give us five stars. If you don't, maybe DM us instead. Yeah, or don't even do that.
1: Uh, but please tell your friends and your family and all your favorite queers about the show because uh, we love you. We love